This episode is brought to you by Amazon.com. Go to this episode's page on Nerdist.com and click on the Amazon banner. Then shop like you regular do on Amazon, which is the place where everybody buys everything. Are there other stores? I don't think there are. So help support our show by supporting our sponsors. Again, go to this episode's page at Nerdist.com and click on the Amazon banner. Now entering Nerdist.com. It's the Nerdist Writers Panel on the Nerdist Podcast Channel. Ben Blacker talking writing with writers. Writers talking writing can get pretty exciting. The talk can be enlightening. It's very really frightening. Ben Blacker talking writing with writers. Welcome to the Nerdist Writers Panel series, an informal chat about writing and the business and process of writing. Each and every panel benefits A26LA, the national nonprofit tutoring program. For more information on A26LA, visit A26LA.org. I'm your moderator, Ben Blacker. Follow me on Twitter, at Ben Blacker. I'm the co-creator of the Thrilling Adventure Hour stage program and the style of old-time radio, available as a podcast on iTunes and via Nerdist.com. Uh, I've written for the series Super Ninjas and Supernatural. So we're here at the Walking Dead offices. Mm. Thank you guys for having us. Uh, I'm here with Glenn Mazara, Angela Kang, and Scott Gimple. Thank you guys. Introduce yourselves and tell us who you are on the show, how long you've been on the show. Uh, a couple of you guys have been on Nerdist before. Uh, so yeah, introduce yourselves so everyone knows what you sound like. Okay, I'm Glenn Mazara. I'm the executive producer and showrunner of The Walking Dead. I've been showrunner for the second season and going into the third and i wrote a uh, freelance um wildfire season one oh, really? and then uh came on uh, for season two as is uh, frank darabont's number two and then was um elevated to showrunner and uh here we are going into our third season exciting i'm angela kang i'm a writer and producer on the show um i came on in season two and I'm continuing to write on season three and having a great time. Great. Uh, I'm Scott Gimple, and uh, I'm a supervising producer and writer on the show. And uh, Glenn drafted me into this uh, beginning of last season. Great. Um, so I think, Angela, when we, when we last met, uh, season two hadn't even aired yet, I believe. Like it was like last summer, maybe. I can't remember. Something like that. Yeah, that but might you be were right. gearing up and you were telling us a little bit about how um, the planning for the season was done. Uh, do you guys want to re- kind of recap that, remind our listeners how the show was put together and if season three was approached in the same way as season two? I'm curious. There were differences. Mm-hmm. I mean, but Glenn basically, I mean, we had things, of course, we had been thinking about since last season, but Glenn got the ball rolling with a big document of ideas. Mm-hmm. So when um, you guys show up to work in the first, you know, week of the writer's room, you, you're armed with that document. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, yeah a good, I, like two weeks, I think before. Okay. No, I think we, well, yeah. You had sent it, I, I'd sent okay. it over Christmas. Uh, what happened oh. was the, um, show wrapped shooting for season two, right around November. So I ended up doing editing and, Post and music and sound mixes. <laughs> into, I'm only laughing yeah. just because, like, like we have time off. You know, we have a hiatus, and like, Glenn's the only person on the show. That, like, <laughs> like, you know, especially when people are coming off saying, "Oh yeah, what do you do for your hiatus?" Like, Glenn, like you had like, what was it like two days? I, I can't I remember. Had, I had a Sunday off and and Martin Luther King Day. So so what happened was. Um, I had all these ideas coming off of season two and we had set up stuff at the end of season mm-hmm. two, uh, introduction of Michonne, introduction of the prison. And, and, uh, we knew we were going to do the governor in season three. So I had a lot of ideas and, and, uh, what I wanted to do was write those down in some sort of, you know, 10 page, 15 page document and give that to the writers so that they could, you know, mull it over during a, their break mm-hmm. over Christmas so that we could hit the ground running. I've, I've, you know, worked on a couple of shows where you come into your writer's room the first day and the showrunner looks at you and you go, so what do we got? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and you're really playing a lot of catch up. And I, I know we had 16 episodes for season three, so I really wanted to hit the ground running and have as much as, as, as possible now. And th- that is the biggest order the show has had so far. The yeah. first season was yeah. six, second was 13. 
this this is 16. Mm-hmm. So and um you know what's interesting is I don't think we used a single bit from that document. I think I think once <laughs> really? you saw once everybody comes in with their ideas and you start Thinking about <laughs> Angela's you, you know, No, I, I really yeah, don't. I, I really don't. Oh, you guys threw it out. They hit me over the head with no. it. It was, it was a little ugly. It, was I a think little, we, it got a little ugly. And, uh, we you fulfilled know, the intent of the document. Stuffed it in my yeah. mouth well, and yeah. put <laughs> duct tape around my mouth like well, that, a ball that's gag. That's kind of what tends to happen, right? Is you well, come in with a bunch of ideas, and then once you get the brain trust together, yeah. it sort of it starts to evolve. But the general sort of theme of the season I think was in that document yeah, and was absolutely. fulfilled the theme that theme definitely had uh, its seeds in last season we knew that the big turn the big emotional turn for Rick and, and the characters and and we knew we had to go from there in this season mm-hmm. um, but that document was the first step of how do we fulfill that theme okay uh, and so, yeah. I was just going to say it was great too because there was a lot of um, there were just recommended books, like in mm. terms of just some reading things to look at, um, oh, like historical Can background. You tell us what kind and of stuff? Um, I don't know. Yeah, don't I let's don't, talk about it. Yeah, but, I think we should. You know, there there was just some and some movies to maybe look at, and okay. just a lot of idea thematic ideas, possible storylines for every character, and it was such a great starting off point to really get everybody thinking. So. I still feel like we used some stuff from the document. Maybe we didn't, but it was it was good to have that as a jumping off point because mm-hmm. it didn't That's, feel like you're just kind of yeah, staring actually, into the void. Actually, there was a character. You know? There's a big character. Oh in the yes, document. yes, yes, you're that, right. You're, uh, right. <laughs> you're right. Yes, there's a new character. Oh yes, but yes. but there's um, you know, it just kind of puts everybody on the same page. Yeah. So so we came in and we started talking and and Scott um and I met and talked about you know uh, drafting a, a schedule. You know, and we um, decided we would be in the room for four weeks to really talk about the first half of the season, the first, you know, eight episodes. That's great. It's amazing and, that you get that kind of and, time, too. Uh, yeah, and, and so mm-hmm. we we really, you know, day one, I think we, we got in there and we met with the producers and kind of laid out a plan. I, I find it's great if everybody has all – the information. The worst thing that could happen on a show is everybody's walking around the halls going, what the fuck's going on? No one's telling me anything. Am I supposed to be doing this or am I supposed to be in my office? Or I, I'm confused. <laughs> That's when problems start on a show. So I like to give everybody the information up front and we actually called AMC and said, we will pitch you on Valentine's Day or something like that, right? It was yeah. right around yeah. then. And and so then they go away. They're like, okay, great. We're waiting for Valentine's Day. So so they don't feel, hey, what's going on? Something's right. wrong. We're not hearing from you guys. You That's know, really smart. And, and that can happen with with other shows that that I've worked on. So then we we broke those those uh, first eight episodes, and, and of course have ideas for where the whole season's ending and that kind of stuff. But really broke it in depth, pitched it out to Galen Hurd and Dave Alpert and, and Greg Nicotero and Denise Huth and Tom Lusso, other uh, non-writing producers, and 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 Kirkman's part of the mm-hmm. writing thing, so he's there every day for the for those four weeks, and then we we pitched it out, got everybody's thoughts, pitched it out to AMC, and then we just went ahead and started working on outlines and scripts, and and you know it's I think it's it's come together pretty nicely everybody's certainly on the same page and did it work the same way i remember you saying uh angela where scripts were basically assigned in that first month uh and everybody knows the full story so everyone kind of goes off and works on their scripts you know Mm -hmm. one through eight or Mm -hmm. whatever yeah simultaneously people writing simultaneously and then what happens is you know and there you could get a script back that needs to be rebroken or something Mm -hmm. but we're not doing as last year when we came in everybody had written the same kind of scenes over and yeah. over mm-hmm. this that was not the case people really you know were focused the on their episode was it broken more in the room beforehand is that why yeah i think so okay. yeah i think so i think and it was just the, we just we had some it. overlapping and but it's just it's the price you pay when you do something at the same time sure. and and, and that work's going to be done one way or the other, whether you're sitting in the room or whether writers are off doing it themselves. And, you know, we just make adjustments. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, so how were things really different from the beginning of season two or leading into season two? You know, I, I 
we all saw a deadline. We know it was sort of a messy beginning of the season. Uh, and we don't have to address the, that. The stuff, restaurants but. changed a great deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we, there was a sandwich the place yeah. that we were hitting like all the time. Yeah. There's time. nothing around here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah, we've we've we've, we've mixed it up. Uh, but as far as you know, the planning stages. Did you guys have? Did you guys know what all 13 episodes would be in that first month of going into season two? No, no. We we had thought about what were you know the first what turned out to be the first seven. We had mm-hmm. that arced out, and we had some thoughts for the back half of the season, but it wasn't done to the depth that I think we have it now. Okay, well, that's good to hear. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know there were some criticisms of season two, saying that things were moving a little slowly. Mm-hmm. Uh, is this something that you guys brought to the room in talking about season three? No, because we had, I think, addressed that when, yeah. when you know, mm-hmm. we uh, – let me say this. You know, I, I felt that that criticism of it moving slow, I only buy that criticism so much. I think it, it's – I don't think the show moves slower than any other show on TV, any other character drama. The problem with this particular show or that expectation is that this is the marriage of a character drama and a horror mm-hmm. show. So there was this added expectation. If it was just a character drama, it was uh, we were moving at. I mean, yeah. you can't tell us we were slower than Breaking Bad or Mad Men or The Killing. That, you know, other AMC shows, even Game of Thrones. I mean, we were we were giving yeah. characters a lot more moments than like one beat per episode. Yeah. I right. love Game of Thrones, but it just has me chomping on the face. <laughs> right. The next episode. So so I don't download think... all twelve immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. it's funny we've talked. About that, about that phenomenon, just about mm-hmm. the way serialized television is consumed. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think I think well, we all I, I think that when you know this comes out on DVD and people are binge watching it over a weekend, it's not going to play nearly yeah. as slow. I just don't don't think that. Um, however, when we got into the second half of the season and we were sort of flying by the seat of our pants, um, we wanted to amp it up. So that back half of the season, people see it and say, oh, there was a criticism and they made an adjustment. No, because that material was all shot by the time season one was airing (laughs) and that criticism was being lodged. We had already internally felt we've done this kind of scene. Let's move on. Let's amp it up. You know, and I I think part of it is that, that, you know, the type of storytelling I'm comfortable with, stuff that I've done on The Shield. That was a very adrenalized show. So I think I kept pushing in that direction and everybody here bought into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's certainly something that worked. I think people were excited about that. I think we've learned a lot about our fans and the show and the type of storytelling that we enjoy. Mm-hmm. And and that's something that will – let's just say this. You know, I, I, you know, people are now reading the script for the season premiere of, of you know, season three. And they're just like, wow, it's it's balls out, it's fast, it's moving, it's it's intense, and and we're not, you know, taking our foot off the gas. We're just going to keep going. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Uh, back to that question, though, or, or that statement that you brought up about the kinds of stories that you guys like to tell. Uh, can you point to stuff that you guys wrote or got to write in season two uh, that is the kind of story that you like to tell? I I love. Uh, highly, highly emotional moments that are tied to highly, highly uh, genre or, or action moments, stuff that infuses them both at the same time. Yeah. Which episodes did you write? Uh, I, I, uh, the numbers aren't going to help you. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> do you want the one with? Okay, the one where... <laughs> that would help. Did, yeah, yeah. Tell the title. Uh, first one was uh, Save the Last One, which is the one where <laughs> Shane... Caps Otis. Okay. Uh, the other one was. Oh my God, uh, that feels like it was ages ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Season mm-hmm. two. <laughs> uh, the other one was uh, the mid-season finale, where uh, mm-hmm. which uh, is pretty much dead already. Mm-hmm. Where uh, Sophia is yeah. her final fate is revealed. And so then, those really had those emotional moments. Yeah, I mean, I was really the genre stuff. Yeah, I mean, when you really can cool. build to those moments, where you know. That kind of stuff doesn't happen in real life, but you feel a real emotion that you do feel in real life mm-hmm. or, or that you you wish you felt or, you know, you remember when you felt like that's incredible. And then the other episode I did with Glenn 
is 18 miles out, mm-hmm. which is the one right. uh, where uh, there's a there's a fist fight and there's also another type of fight. That was uh, a lot of hot zombie action, uh-huh. and then <laughs> a lot of uh, a lot of discussion on the other side about you know mm-hmm. whether people should be allowed to take their life in their own hands, essentially. Right. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, I. I, I I love this stuff. You know, I love this stuff. I mean, one of my favorite shows of all time is Lost, and I I think they did that very, very well. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, being able to tell stories like that—that's yeah, very, very lucky. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Uh, Angela, what were your episodes in two, and how did they press the your particular storytelling buttons? Um, I wrote Secrets, which is where Lori is uh, considering boarding her child, and Judge, Jury, Executioner, which was where we lost Dale. Oh, my God. We were dealing with the Randall <laughs> issue. I think um, what I enjoyed in those episodes was dealing with characters grappling with really difficult moral dilemmas that would be difficult in just regular life, but then now you're in a zombie apocalypse, so it kind of adds a whole new dimension where society's broken down, you don't have access to the same kinds of infrastructure or information, and you're just trying to do the best you can in a whole new world. Um, Hmm. And that stuff's fun to write. I also, you know, I'm a big genre geek, and I love writing action. I love that in season three, I got to write kind of a really different script for my first script that's very, like, has a lot of hot zombie action, so that's really fun. Um, it's great. I, you know, like I think all of these stories have, you know, aspects of action and, you know, the great character drama and it's a really cool mix to get to write. Yeah. Well, Actually, one, and I think Angela will be annoyed cause I, I always talk about this teaser, but the teaser to secrets has one of those kind of like weird human emotion into genre thing mm-hmm. where, Ca- what it was. where Carl, um, there's these, chicks that are missing mm-hmm. right just the baby chicks and they're feeding them out in front of a and and the oh. chickens themselves are gone or what i can't <laughs> basically carl you see how cold carl has become that's the big thing where he says everything's food for something mm-hmm. and these chickens are gone and then you see what happened to those chickens and it was patricia feeding them to the barn full of zombies mm-hmm. And just going from like, ah, oh, that's so sad to see that kid feeling that way, which is just a familial sort of moment into this completely otherworldly, ghastly thing. I I don't know. That was that was my favorite teaser from the season. And then, oh, and then Patricia ends up becoming zombie food. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but that, that... We, we pay it off. In a <laughs> yeah. Off that... away, which actually, what, that was one of the worst deaths, I think, yeah. of the season. Because really? Emily Kenny, who played Beth, Mm-hmm. Her scream is one yeah, of the more yeah, haunting yeah. screams. Yeah. Uh, that teaser, though, points to something that is, feels very thematic to season two, which is about the extremes that these characters go to uh, or are forced to go to. Uh, can you remind us where some of these characters were at the beginning of the season or at the end of season one and uh, you know what, what you guys had planned for them, what journey you had planned for them to take, uh, and whether or not, you know, you you fulfilled that if there were sidetracks on it, uh, how it worked from a writer's stand, uh, standpoint. Well, you know, I think at the end of season one, it's it's just uh, uh, most of the characters are confused. You know, they're trying to figure out, uh, you know, what happened. You know, where do we go? They they don't yet believe that the entire world. Mm-hmm. has fallen you know they get some some information from jenna but they they feel he's a bit of a madman so maybe there's still a safe place to go and if you think about season one really uh takes place within a few days and it's probably only within two weeks of everything going to shit so it's still mm-hmm. all very raw and 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 new now in season two you know, you pick up this question of Rick is, you know, facing questions of leadership and how, where does he he's, – he's got this task of where to bring these people. You know, where is a safe harbor? And they come to this farm and here is kind of, you know, we get the feeling Herschel's out on a bit of an outpost. A wave of destruction hasn't yet reached them. They, they, they have a lot of misconceptions about what's happening in the world around them. They're sort of in a bubble. Mm-hmm. And and you have, you know, this major storyline of 
Lori and and Rick and call uh, and, and and Shane and their you, you know the the affair between Lori and Shane and and how that comp starts complicating Rick's life mm-hmm. and becomes a complication for the entire group and I think by the end of the um finale what you have is a group of people from so many different paths are sort of put in a crucible and they're sort of melded together as a family on the road you know that Mm -hmm. if you look at that finale you know no one's shooting somebody in a knee to get away Everyone is trying to be heroic. Everybody is trying to save everybody else. Even though they leave uh, Andrea behind, that's because it's a panic. They're not sure if she's alive or dead. They're willing to go back, you know. And mm-hmm. and so you really kind of feel like the, this is a a band of um, survivors who is who's really really trapped together, you mm-hmm. know, and that that, that their um, fate is going to rest on each other a lot on Rick. But also everyone else. So I think I think it was kind of all these different strands coming together, and by the end of the season, becoming something new mm-hmm. that'll propel us into season three. That's interesting. Yeah, the, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. And the other, the other big sort of pressure upon the characters, uh, especially Rick, and, and the way he was going to lead uh, was mm-hmm. just you know, kind of the idea is is humanity a luxury? in the world you know is it a weakness Mm -hmm. and Shane basically coming to the conclusion that it is a weakness um, and Rick feeling like well what's the point of surviving if you don't get to maintain who you were Hmm. Um, because that isn't surviving you're dead you're not and Rick in the end you know seeing what leadership had done to him seeing that his humanity had been compromised again and again and again. It still seems to be there by the end, but he's not going to be playing by the same rules, mm-hmm. and he's not going to uh, be a democratic leader. He's not going to be a sweet leader necessarily. He's not going to be a humane leader, mm-hmm. but he is going to keep these people alive. Maybe that he's willing to make the sacrifice of his own humanity for these people. How... Um, how did you guys <laughs> this is it must, might be a strange question uh but how did you break it down incrementally to get Rick to that state you know i mean there were decisions he had to make along the way uh but but what you're describing which is clearly his arc for the season uh and makes so much sense having seen all the episodes now um it's all very heady you know mm-hmm. uh it's a very <laughs> interior kind of place to get him to but as much as we see him compromising and so But it forth. comes out in very Yeah. You know, it's that's the cool thing about you know, the kind of TV that we make. It comes out in big ways. When Shane, you know, saying, you know, he compromises his humanity, that sounds really, you know, froofy and, and mm-hmm. poetic, but he capped Otis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like he compromises humanity by shooting a fat guy. <laughs> um and, and that guy getting torn apart by zombies. And making the decision that his life and Carl's life was more important than his or to not, you know, a big part of it is just removing, you know, just not dealing with any sort of doubt. Like maybe he could have gotten out with him, maybe. Hmm. But I know I can get out with uh, get out if I do this. Right. That's compromising humanity. Those yeah. moments, you know, the big moments that fulfill it so people don't feel they're in a, you know, a, a survey class right. in philosophy. <laughs> you know, Here, here's what I think. Uh, you know, I think in the second half of the season, we started, you know, I really wanted to push the story. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I think in the first half of the season, we had a lot of theoretical debates, certainly with the Andrea and Dale characters and people talking about what's it like to live in this world or what's it, you know, can we make choices? And, and it did feel theoretical. And so what we really wanted to do was, okay, that's great, 
But now as we started writing these characters, you know, it's it's like stringing beads. You know, okay, the character does this. Now what happens with their emotional state? Now let's put them in another fucked up situation. And now they have another decision to make in which there is no good alternative. Okay, mm-hmm. do I leave this guy on the fence? Do I bring him back? Do I shoot him in the head and feed him to zombies? If I bring him back, then do I kill him there? Do I let him go? He knows where we live. It, it, it's, it's just there, there's no good – choice mm-hmm. so so we stopped having these debates i think and started kind of putting people into action and and that's where i think the audience really started responding to the material is because people could see themselves in an immediate situation say well i would shoot that guy or i would leave this guy or i would execute him or i would you know forget about him or whatever it is and and i think that's part of the appeal of the show is is you know people can buy into a zombie apocalypse pretty easily for some reason <laughs> and and but they they think about what they would do in that situation and then there's the other part of it is like yeah. what I would do and then oh yeah I'm going to kill this guy it's a smart thing to do I'm going to put mm-hmm. the gun up to his head oh crap that will impact my son right yeah and that's that's, that's easier said and, than done and what's the point of yeah keeping this kid safe if I'm building him into a serial killer. Right. So so that's easier said than done to just execute somebody. We play these deaths very seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like, you know, an, a- an action adventure movie in which, you know, the bad guys get mowed down. I mean, we really, you know, I mean, think about what it's like to, uh, you know, kill a guy who's, who's who just knows where you live. Yeah, we keep, we <laughs> keep the quips in the room. Yeah. You know, ice to see is, you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That is clear. Um, and it's interesting, too, that you kind of leave the audience to have those philosophical debates yeah. that were and people you know, do. in the show. I think they yeah. like previous yeah. I, I absolutely people, agree. People uh, like it. It's yeah. the appeal of part of the appeal of the yeah. genre, I yeah. think. Um, talk to me about uh, the decision, and if you can, talk about the conversation in the room in killing you know, the major deaths with Shane and uh, Dale. Which it feels like removed uh, at exactly the right time the friction from the group to kind of get into their next the next phase of their journey. Um, removed, but but sort of exacerbated. Oh, because absolutely. the way Dale went out, he kind of made his point mm-hmm. in a really rough way. Oh, yeah, you leave the group in the worst possible condition. That, that uh, makes his argument. Yeah, and then right after that, being faced with having to do something counter to that argument mm-hmm. and and you know has has now rick changed completely because of it and, yeah and we cannot answer that at this time <laughs> but yeah we i mean know. you can see even by the season finale that these were necessary to rick's journey and ultimately mm-hmm. i i imagine you're looking at this as rick's story right um but you know was there was there argument in the room? Was there conversation in the room about uh, killing these characters? Yeah, there was a tremendous amount of conversation. You know, originally we came up with the idea of killing Dale and, and uh, um, you know, Frank didn't want to do that. You know, he's very tight with Jeff DeMond and loves mm-hmm. that character and just felt like that was uh, too big a character to, to, to do that. So we backed off that storyline and then, then I became showrunner and then – I started thinking about like, well, what do we do? It's all it's all on the table now. We knew we were going to get to the the Shane death, mm-hmm. and the Shane How- death was was going to be played in the finale as uh, as uh, scripted in the comic book that yeah, that Carl was going to shoot from off camera. And um, I didn't care for that because I felt that you know that really made Rick passive. That, that, you know, you can't have an entire arc. See, it works in the comic books because it's only six issues in. Mm-hmm. But you're 19 episodes in. That's 19 hours of somebody's life. And to have your main character have a big, um, you know, face-to-face with the, the, the his, person he's his, having his, this his giant conflict thing. with. Yeah. yeah, and then all of a sudden for, a bullet two comes. Seasons. Yeah, <laughs> a, a bullet comes from off, off screen and, yeah. and he's just a, a passive – um, observer, mm-hmm. and, and the argument what, is didn't what feel it satisfying. Ta- w- the argument is essentially what what it takes to live. Hmm. You know, well, and- yes and no. I mean, that that's that's I think sometimes maybe more your thing. I, I think Rick. <laughs> Rick no, we, no, wait, we all, no, we all play different instruments. We yeah, we all yeah, play but, different but, instruments. But, in the you room. know, I I don't believe Rick. I, Rick. Listen, Rick kills. 
Shane because Shane fucked his wife hmm. and fuck you. You fucked my wife and I'm going to put a knife in your heart and go fuck yourself. It's coming from a raw emotional place. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and being and, pushed there. Uh, yeah, he's being pushed there and you could say – and you can make the case, well, he's taking out his rival. It's good for the group. It's all – it's like, no, it's it's a good fellow's moment as far as I'm concerned. Hmm. So – so um, but that's just my interpretation hmm. of that. You know, though, I, though I will say his interpretation <laughs> carries more weight. <laughs> my oh, interpretation – no, my interpretation can be perilously close to fanfic. <laughs> well, um, so then, so then with the Dale thing, um, I think you guys worked it out in the room, and then I came in and they said, "Okay, you know, we have a pitch in which we do kill Dale." And mm-hmm. I was like, "Well, great, let me hear it." And I, I heard it and loved it, and was like, "Okay, let's let's do that." So, so you know, the team really. Uh, there is a lot of debate. You know, this isn't like some shows. I think you have, you know, um, um, uh, the showrunner is a bit of an auteur and and says, oh, this is what we're doing or whatever. And and I, I like to collaborate and I like to say, okay, well, here are my thoughts, and now go make it better. And everybody, you know, in that room is expected to argue and challenge and and fight and have great ideas and bad ideas and and hopefully the the fantastic ideas will get filmed and and so so it, it, we go back and forth i mean you know it, it we, a- we'll talk about let's uh, you, you know let's let's kill this person we were going to kill herschel <laughs> and then and then that didn't work and we you know started to write and was like nope oh, oh flag on the play and we changed that so so it's very very fluid it's very organic and and it's about what feels right to the group of writers at that particular moment mm-hmm. it's it's so it's less about following a master plan and and it's being more emotionally immediate and visceral and and yeah this feels right hmm. we're doing this that that's how uh, that's what i mean by f- you know flying by the seat of your pants that's how we wrote the shield that's how we're writing this in a way you're kind of writing it in real time you know, because it's like our characters are here. They're doing this. Let's complicate it and let's figure it out as a group. So that, that's how I feel like we we tend to do this stuff in the back half, right? And it's well, it's it's a great room to argue in. This mm-hmm. is a particularly uh, respectful and but but yet very opinionated group of writers. That it is. I don't know. It's a safe place to have. They have big opinions, mm-hmm. and and people are very good about the way they present them and and bat them around. And and one funny thing that in, invariably happens is we will we'll push away from something, and then a few episodes later it'll come up and be the perfect time for it. Mm. Right? Or mm-hmm. yeah, you hear that on a lot of serialized shows, which is so interesting that these the good ideas kind of hang in there and float till yeah. they're they're right. Um, Take us inside, since you guys were uh, in the room, and can you remember, uh, in deciding on the Dale death. Mm. Um, you know, the Shane death was such a remarkable subversion of, you know, what we expected from, from the comic book. Uh, and, and totally amazing. But I don't think pe- viewers saw the Dale killing coming. Uh, Which I think was... A big part of that, death. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, that's part of what helped sell it. In addition to like the philosophical arguments he'd been making yeah. to that point, um, but I can't imagine you sat down in the room saying our endpoint is going to be killing Dale, uh, since that had been mentioned and you know was still out there, but had been kind of ruled out and ruled back in or whatever. Uh, what was the starting point for that? Do you remember? It was. We were doing our second our second AMC pitch for the second half of the season mm-hmm. and I recall us being we were thinking about the second third to last episodes and and what what the emotional journey of, of really Rick was mm-hmm. and Rick because of what happened in the first half of the season had really actually moved fairly close to Shane's point of view mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I actually recall the very first iteration of that idea had been uh, yours, Mr. Mazzara, that you had sat into my office and you had been like, I figured out how to break this, this, I think it was like third to last episode beat in the greater pitch. And like you said, you had put it before Frank. Uh-huh. And because mm-hmm. we had gotten excited about it only because we saw 
how it sort of juked Rick's point of view mm-hmm. sort of a little bit more towards pre-Sophia. Mm-hmm. I mean, just what happens in Secrets whether he doesn't kill Randall. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he got taken off the table. Um, but I think actually Frank had considered it for a hot second. It wasn't like an immediate no. It was like, mm-hmm. I think there was a night or two there. So that even got us more excited about it and thinking about it. Cause it was, cause I think we were expecting like an immediate no, mm-hmm. but then it was taken off the table <laughs> and the way the story was unfolding, we were, it just, it made, I mean, a lot of it in serialized television is like the emotional rhythm of the story, you know, the ups and downs of the character's point of view. Mm-hmm. And it was really, we just really got excited about where it put Rick right before that Shane episode. And then just on big event, sort of, just, just as far as just the most basic big event, playing with the audience's expectations. Point of yeah. 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 It made and, sense that way. And well. I, I think a couple of things that Dale's death w- uh, did, if you remember in our early thing, it was that if Dale, who's the conscience of the group, is taken out of the equation, who becomes the conscience of the group? And yeah, we looked at it as a way to activate Laurie, actually, to give her more of a point of view. And there was a scene that was Dale, and he's bouncing around. I just uh, did a commentary for this on the deleted scenes. Dale was bouncing around, and he went to Laurie and and uh, asked her. It was sort of a call to action, you know, intercede with your husband and tell him. Uh, not to execute Randall. We we ended up cutting the scene, right? Because yeah. it kind of Dale was getting annoying, going around making the same argument over and over. And this was the most philosophical and less tied to character, um, least tied to character beat that we had. Mm-hmm. So so it just didn't make the cut. Um, and and the the thing was that y- you know Dale's death puts everybody in a very angry, violent place. In the beginning of the next episode and Laurie goes to kind of clean house. She feels that she failed this this call to action. She goes and has a conversation with Shane. So so both things are putting Shane in action. So so, you know, Shane Shane's attempted murder of Rick would not have we couldn't get to it out of. Unless we had some big new catalyst, and only Dale's death was 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 uh, possible. The other thing about Dale's death was we knew we were coming up to um, you know Shane's death at Rick's hands, but we really wanted one to say that the uh, farm was not safe, mm-hmm. yeah, and mm-hmm. and we wanted issue. someone to be killed by a walker, and then and then you know I wanted to do the the call. That calls the walker that gets away from call mm-hmm. kills Dale, and you guys did not like that. There were a lot of notes there, on that. <laughs> they were like, "There was a lot. No, there no, a lot no of, this is too much." I, I always like, liked it. What's that? I think was that it just, was, I that's why she got it. the right. I think I was the. Uh, it was, it was, I think uh, it was the people. Dale in that situation. <laughs> did you go to everybody? Uh, yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, I did. I he stood by a windmill. Like this he brought boy, in a windmill. Carl having, you know, the responsibility <laughs> yeah. of his walker. And I put on a hat. Of course. Uh, yeah, but, you know. Uh, well, what was it, it for you? That, pardon me? What was it for you that didn't click about that? Was it just too Well, it cute? clicked in the end. I mean, that's, that's, that's the really tricky thing about, you know, working with a group of people. And you can only go with your opinion at the time and and i i don't think you can be like second guessing yourself every mm-hmm. 5 seconds but there is stuff you argue against that you see on screen and you know there are those moments where you're like oh yeah i'm totally right but there's plenty of times where you're like wow uh that just played yeah and you know that was really nice of those people to listen to me go on for 3 hours <laughs> um i think it did play in the episode uh i it, it could have played the other way. <laughs> I, I felt like putting it on Carl, uh, making Carl responsible for that moment. I wasn't sure about that. Hmm. Um, it played in the episode beautifully. Um, the way, I mean, there are those intangibles, uh, like Kyle Chandler's performance, which was really good in that moment. Hmm. The way he turns away, and only the audience knows really why he's crying. You know, his mother isn't like, why are you crying? I mean, there's right. 
Dale Scott's hanging out. <laughs> um, but I was worried about putting it on Carl, and uh, we're, we're trying to fulfill that, though, mm-hmm. um, as yeah. a piece of his character now. Mm-hmm. Um, Which, I mean, it, it does make sense, again, looking at it from a bird's eye view, it does make sense in, to Carl's character arc. I mean, yeah. you mm-hmm. put that kid through a lot of shit last season. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I what know. did you set out to do with him? How did again? How did it? Did it wind up how you wanted it to be? Uh, what was the goal with with that poor kid? Um, you know, I th- I think with his particular arc, there there were some. There was, of course, some characters that had better delineated arcs at the beginning of the season mm-hmm. and then there were some that you kind of have to feel your way through mm-hmm. you I'm know? curious which ones did you guys have strongly Shane Shane mm-hmm. you always knew where Shane was and what he was yeah. up to right <laughs> yeah you know? Shane and Rick and, yeah. but you got 13 episodes yeah you have a huge ensemble cast Lost had 22 episodes <laughs> you know True. that's not a small thing we have a lot of Things that we want to accomplish story-wise, and it's just hard. with a big cast, it is hard to serve everyone with the equal amount of stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and happen. and and Loss would do a flashback where they could push in. But that's not something we're doing, you know. Yeah. yeah. So so uh, you know for different reasons, but I think with Call, what happened was, you know, he's devastated obviously by Sophia's death okay mm-hmm. and and the fact that she became a walker in the barn and and um you know he's going back and forth between being a boy and and you know the and the, and we get a lot of shit for where's call and why isn't he in the house and mm-hmm. you know that's all horseshit because you, you you know in the scene where he's he's you know throwing rocks at the walker there's a scene where he's standing in front of the barn just kicking up dirt with mm-hmm. his feet he's you know and so he's he's bored and and so that that was actually kind of set up that he's going to go and 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 get himself into trouble and he starts um you know he's fascinated by the violence around him you know that's what the men are doing he's trying to associate himself with his father with shane and these guys are leading very violent lives so he you know it's okay for him to pick up a gun it's okay for him to throw you know rocks at a walker or two and, and even necessary or, or, for him to pick up a gun shane is saying yeah. shane is he's saying, saying you, you have to have a gun right. Right. so so he's he's engaging in this behavior that's being modeled around him there are no other children around him and and but yet he is a kid. He's going to make poor decisions. He's 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 not going to be able to to think three steps ahead as mm-hmm. as the other guys would. So you know, events of course go wrong, and and he's he's um um you know straddling the line between childhood and adulthood. So so that that was something that we talked about up front, right? Yeah. But but then we kind of would say, oh well, what's Call doing now? And what's nice about the cast is you say. You know, like we did not have that he finds a walker. We didn't have that when we were working at the first half of the season. But once we got into that episode, it was like, oh, here's a here's a cool thing, right? I mean, you wrote that episode. Didn't we yeah, come up with it, it? Like, I mean, was that part of the AMC pitch? It was. I think it was the second time maybe the we pitched. The second time maybe. Yeah, yeah but we came up with that in a while. Yeah. In the first iteration, he, yeah. was, he was shooting that walker. He was straight yeah. up shooting it, which <clears> – <throat> You know, I would not have probably fit into what we did because the the ramifications of him, I mean, the way that it developed, it you know, it checked Carl. It brought him back to being a kid. He became a kid right after Dale gets killed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that activates Shane in saying, whoa, Rick, you can't raise your son. I mean, we were we were looking for. Shane to have real motivations for bringing Rick out in the woods beyond just just you know Lori the personal ones yeah Th- that Shane did have an argument in his head mm-hmm. that holy crap Carl can't hold a gun anymore okay Rick's got to be out of the picture because this kid's going to live mm-hmm. and I'm going to make sure he lives my way mm-hmm. you um, know a, a, a way to describe the show is like you know it's like shooting pool okay it's it, you can't just have one ball and isolate it and pick it up. It's everyone's on the table. Okay. And 
you know, we as storytellers, you hit one ball and it crashes into the other. Sometimes a ball gets knocked into the pocket. That's Dale <laughs> yeah. and Shane there, you know. And and but everything rattles around. Every ball is is hitting every other ball on the table, and and it's all that kind of uh, uh, um, pandemonium. You know what I mean? It's not it's not like you can just shine a light here or there. Or it's everything is it's a whole game, and every every so if you have you know. Um, Carl takes a walk in the woods and he finds a walker, you know, bam, that affects Dale, which then affects Lori, which then affects, you know, yeah. Rick and Shane and, mm-hmm. and everyone else. So, so, you know, that's what I think is unique about The Walking Dead. Yeah, and it's it's the most fascinating thing about dealing with, you know, a tight group like this. Yeah. Since every choice is going to have repercussions on mm-hmm. other characters. Um, I was just going to say, I, I kind of remembered a bit of the genesis of finding the walker in the mm-hmm. woods, because this all ties back to, like, the string of events that all gets activated is, you know, we did want to use some aspect of Carl being at Shane's death. But, you know, we flipped it so that rather than him being the one who shoots Shane, as in the comic book, he shoots Walker Shane. But we we're like, that seems weird that he just kind of shows up and that's like his first real interaction with a Walker. So it right, kind of like right. started right. there, like that triggers a series yeah. of events and then well, it ties back to the end. That's very interesting. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And we also tied it into because he failed to kill that Walker. He then goes to his dad and now is is calling for Randall's blood. So so it all, yeah. you know, Angela did a good job of yeah. plotting that. Smartly put tolling, together. To, tying it all together. Um, I'm glad you guys brought up this, uh, the size of the group and the number of characters that you guys have to tackle in really very few episodes, like you say. Uh, how do you guys deal with that? How do you decide, you know, whose stories are told? How do you give enough service to characters who maybe haven't been heard from in a while. I'm thinking specifically of um, the... No, I'm not going to say what you think I'm going to say. <laughs> what are you going to say? Uh, the the uh, <laughs> daughter who tried to kill herself. Uh, yeah. I thought it was a great right. story where, you know, we didn't really know this character mm-hmm. very well, and we'd seen this aspect of the apocalypse, but not quite in this way. Uh, and it was a, just a great way to serve a character... And you know the characters around her, obviously. Uh, who well, who you know, know you, you know, it's it's funny you're picking that out because when, when that aired, um, a lot of people um, uh, on the internet thought it was bullshit, and they were saying, "Well, on the all internet? these." Yeah, yeah, on this no, interweb right. thing, uh, <laughs> a, lot, a lot of people. Something? No, a lot, a lot of people were saying, "Well, you know, this is bullshit. We don't even know that character. Mm-hmm. Why are we spending time with her? Why don't we spend time with Carol?" You know, why don't we, you know, why isn't Carol suicidal? Well, Carol's not suicidal. You know, she's lost, she's a survivor and and that was not her story. So we activated that character. We knew we wanted to, you know, that character to survive the season. We thought it was interesting. And, and, um, you know, we made a choice. Mm -hmm. So what happens is it has to push the main storyline somehow all of these things there are a lot of ensemble shows on tv and i've worked on a lot of these shows where you um basically have you know your main character is the a story then your second or third character is the b story and then you have a c story maybe and then you break out those stories separately a lot of times you could have different writers write them and then the writer of record will tie those stories together and you call that an episode and those different storylines may or may not be thematically linked, mm-hmm. but it, it's every storyline is pushed a little bit further. Okay, I could argue that this is what's being done on Game of Thrones right now. Okay, sure. that that feels to me that that's how they write that story. Yeah. Okay, we are trying to do Rick's story, the group story, and it's a little bit. What I've wanted to do and what I've, I've asked the writers to, to get into is that each episode is more of its 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 own episode. We're not just you know pushing somebody from this point to that point. It's like what's this episode? This is the episode in which Dale dies. You know, and everybody has a part in that. And sometimes they have a bigger part in the story. And Beth had a, a very you know that made you know we wanted to get to with the the Beth attempted suicide story. We wanted to get to. Really, you know, the men are out having a fist fight and the women are having a verbal assault. And that to me means that this show is a family drama 
because families fight in the kitchen and there's two women fighting in the kitchen and that made sense. That feels very real. Now, they both have points of view that um, made sense to those characters. And so Beth's attempted suicide was the device to get to, to all of that. So thematically, it was linked. It was her time to step forward and tell the story. She has no lines like, probably in, you know, when Carl's throwing rocks at a walker. But <laughs> Carl's not in that other story. You know, right. Dale's not in that other story. So it's a matter, you know, there were there was an episode in which uh, that same episode, you know, Daryl stepped out. Mm -hmm. And then he, he emerges in a, a bigger way. So, so what's nice about having such a talented cast is, you know, we, depending on the story, we draw people in or pull them to the background. And it's really about what we're trying to do. In, in a global picture, not necessarily – we don't feel the need to throw somebody a story just to service a character. Mm -hmm. that, that's not the show. That's other shows and it works well. Mm -hmm. but that's not what we do. It's, it's interesting with that – with 18 Miles Out with that episode that that was the first episode where we didn't have certain characters in it. Yeah. I mean there's like you know six characters in it. That's it. And it was, it was luxurious. To be able sure. to just handle six characters, um, but you know we only have so many episodes, and we want to see where everyone's at, and they, we do plan journeys for each one of those characters. Uh, so you know, may, maybe we'll do twenty-eight episodes next season. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Well, you do some webisodes, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think what you guys part of, one of the things you guys do so well is to present these conflicting points of view on their circumstances that each character is going to have, even if we do only see it in this one episode. You know, she's still in subsequent episodes, and we know what she's been through, and we know what her uh, perspective on the world is now. Uh, and so when she pops up again, we're going to get where she's coming from. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's really well done. And well, thank you. Speaking of the internet. Yes. Uh, it was brought up to me uh, just last night, actually, um, and I thought I would ask you guys, and you mentioned this on Lost, where you know we get the flashbacks where we mm -hmm. get to see them before this tragedy that they are part of and how they're dealing with it afterwards. And maybe this isn't even a question that you guys can answer. It might be a first season question. Um, but the idea that, you know, would the show have benefited from or would it have hurt the show to know what these people were like before the apocalypse, before well, the circumstances let, 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 we see Let me see ask you, why is that interesting? Not to me. I'm talking I mean, about but, the internet. But, so. but seriously, like, like, let me just ask people who who are interested in that. Uh, why is that interesting? I mean, is isn't it interesting to have desperate people running from zombies mm -hmm. with no food and water or guns? That's interesting. Why, you know, I mean, let, let's, you know, we we've done our flashbacks. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I wrote one for an episode called Bloodletting, in which mm -hmm. you know Laurie gets the news. And the purpose of that flashback was to show she's very strong. She understands her husband's been shot. She's going to be the good mother. She's strong. She goes over. She, she says, no, I'll tell Call, and she handles that. And so that when it's Call is shot at the end that she falls apart and she can't handle this. And she says to Rick, you can't leave. I can't handle this one. But we've seen who she was, okay? Mm -hmm. So that particular flashback um, – informed the current story in the time. I don't think anybody caught that. I think that stayed all in my head. I don't know if that made it onto screen. So, you know, what, what did I really get out of that, that, that teaser? You know, it was a lady standing in a parking lot getting some bad news that we already know from the year before. So I don't think that's a particularly interesting teaser. Uh, you know, they're drinking lattes. They have, you know, she's talking with a friend, a gossip. But during during like, the shooting of it, though, a gigantic bug landed on, uh, the, on, the, on the other woman's on the other side. Woman's yeah, face. Yeah. And she, she played it like a champ. She yeah, kept going. Yeah, yeah, but it wasn't whole, anything yeah, you could use God. because it looked like she yeah, was about yeah, to have her eye taken. Yeah. Um, but, but, so there were so, extreme circumstances yeah, before the yeah, apocalypse. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so you get There's what I'm saying. That it's, it's like, it's like uh, you know, I mean, that may work on other shows. That worked on Lost. But Lost was not a horror show. It was more of a science fiction mm -hmm. genre mm -hmm. type. It's interesting. You know, I mean, it's, it's, this is a, 
scary horror mm-hmm. thing. And it's about and so, these so people what, in this extreme circumstance. Yeah, and so, so it's not about who they were. I think well, we have a baseline it's, understanding. It's just, I mean, it you know, know like, like character drama. Mm-hmm. It would probably take yeah, the balance right. away, away from the horror. But and, you know, I mean, you, you don't, you don't, you know. Let's say this. You know, we did the shield, right? I, I wrote on a shield, and um, it wasn't until I see, I think season seven, that we learned something about Vic Mackey's dad. Hmm. Or his grandfather, I don't or something. Remember that. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, you don't need backstory. You, you, you know, you put your he characters a, in a, a situation. Yeah. Right? And he was, no, he was probably a cop, with but virus? yeah. <laughs> but but you, you, it's uh, I, I you know if you don't know who Rick is now, mm-hmm. it, you know if you don't know, I mean, what is the information not being provided by flashback episodes? And I guarantee you, we'll do these flashback episodes. Uh, and and people will not dig them. <laughs> I just don't get them. I just well, it's don't not the language of the show right now. Either. It's not. Yeah. Well, what did you want to say? Hold on. I was just going to say like one difference with – I feel like Lost is really the, the show that did a lot of flashbacks. But built into the DNA of Lost is it's a show that deals with – time being fucked up like they're that's flashing true. forward they're flashing back that's they're right flashing sideways the like language. that's the show like this is a totally different yeah. show both in terms of you know like the situation that these characters mm-hmm. are in the world i mean i actually like flashbacks when they're done well but i think when you rely on them to reveal character rather than putting the characters into situations where they reveal their character through action, like I just think that that's a slippery slope. You yeah, can get trapped I, into, I, you know? I, I think the flashback, flashback becomes like an intellectual puzzle mm-hmm. where people say, "Oh, well, what's this? Oh, if this is true, then what's that?" You know, that that's not just the show. The show is people are stuck around, you know, stuck, and 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 they've got no good options. Mm-hmm. That that's the story. I mean, uh, you know. It doesn't make a difference what they did, you know. I mean, we we revealed that Andrea was a civil rights lawyer, right? Didn't we do that in, yeah. in your episode? Who gives a shit? I mean, mm-hmm. seriously, she was a civil Which rights is sort lawyer. Of the reaction when it but comes like, out, but like, right? who, who cares? Laurie yeah. was Laurie was a you know a stay at home mom. You know, Rick it, was a show. But I mean, it is, it is interesting. Like, to, it was interesting even in that moment to know that to see the distance yeah, she so traveled. Who cares? <laughs> I mean, what I, I need say, to know is she's got a gun and she's going out there and she's going to guard <laughs> Randall. I, it's just it's just not interesting to me. I, it's just not. You know? I'm huge on flashbacks. I love. I want to. He loves He's written. Yeah. He's written flashbacks and, and yeah, you wrote it for pretty much dead already. And I was like. Get rid of the fucking flashbacks. Oh, that was a flashback from two episodes. That was, I, I won't even flashback from from yeah. like the series within, within the same episode. Yeah. I'm just like, what I mean, is this? I don't like it. it. I, don't, I, don't I mean, like it was it. just I like it. last <laughs> week on Walking fine. Dead. Uh, it's fine. It's but, on the deleted scenes. You can watch it. <laughs> but uh, I, I mean, I love flashbacks. I know I love knowing everything about a character. I love hmm. seeing them act a certain way. And this is all. Did the wire do flashbacks? But did the wire do flashbacks? They, they I think it's a no, good. But point. what I'm going to say, did, is, I mean, well, why, are people calling was, David Simon asking him for flash? Not that I'm David <laughs> Simon, but like uh, you know, there was I mean, Sean whole... doesn't do flashbacks. Is anyone calling Sean Ryan for flashbacks? There was an why, amazing why McNulty us? as a uh, kid. Sean people like flashbacks more <laughs> yeah. than is that yeah. a little yeah. bunk walking around yelling yeah. "fuck." <laughs> yeah. Oh well, no. It was it was it was surprisingly. I'm not even going to. But what I would say with this. With this show, the lack of flashbacks or, or not using, it, I've come to like it a lot because I believe it adds to the realness, like mm-hmm. to the, to the you know you are seeing character come out in action, mm-hmm. and you are not teed up, you are not given up. I'm not saying anything about teed up, just <laughs> teed up. Um, you're not given anything. Be like, oh well, this is why this character is acting sure. this way. You're slowly figuring it out, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I you know it. I got on board that I li- I like that it's it's harder. Flashbacks are yeah. easier. I think it's it's harder but... to write. It's harder to ask the audience. Let's put it like that. Work, Here's another thing. In the first half, strong. in the first half of the, of the season, people were crying. There's no zombies, and they want flashbacks. But yeah. but. There's not going to be a zombies in flashbacks. Yeah. Yeah. So why well, I think they're would we do? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Why would you do <laughs> non-zombie flashbacks? Right. You see what I'm saying? You're absolutely right. So yeah. come on. Yeah. <laughs> I take it this is something that you guys have it's heard just, before. Just, I'm not interested <laughs> in it. I, I, yeah. I don't like them. I don't do them well. I don't, I don't get them. Well, I, and, they're fine on other shows. but And, and, and if we right. want to do it here, we'll do it. Right. You know, you know, I mean, right. you, you know, know, we could even argue that the end uh, that uh, in the finale, that that teaser was a flashback of 
the herd forming it and, was. and, and no, the, that was a flashback, that's a flashback. <laughs> nobody got it nobody got it there the people like oh people so got- they got to the farm within a day is that the same did the helicopter right. people people so well, we confused by that teaser yeah we had it makes old, no sense yeah we had an like, old-timey uh, who are these people <laughs> yeah, we had an old-timey <laughs> calendar superimposed <laughs> right like ripping off pages <laughs> yeah i don't get it thursday yeah but i'll say you know your no point, flashbacks for you. Your point is well taken <laughs> that there is something fascinating about seeing the measure of these people as they're dealing with the circumstances they're in. You know, that is strong storytelling. And it's something that I don't know why people are expecting flashbacks. I don't know why they're asking for it. Cause I don't know. They're you're right. They didn't ask go, for it on The Wire. They I didn't mean, ask for it on The Shield. They can go watch know. it on other shows, I guess. If we've got, you know, like let's say this. We've got, you know, we're introducing new characters, mm-hmm. okay? We clearly have Michonne. Mm-hmm. Okay, we could do a flashback episode and show who Michonne is and what she's all about. I'm not interested in doing that. I just, I just think it's cooler. Like shit, who is she? You're Absolutely. leaning in, trying to figure her out, yeah. and and how she, you know, just moves through this world. That's cool, you know. Um, Daryl, uh, played by Norman Reedus, is a great character. And once in a while, if he just says something about his, you know, the life before the apocalypse, that's interesting. But he's very, very compelling. What's interesting is people really don't ask for flashbacks about him. Hmm. You know, they, they, they ask for like flashbacks. They need he talks from about him? the past, I think, more than anybody. Yeah, maybe, but yeah, I think maybe, right. but, but people don't ask that. for flashbacks right, about three him, times, so, which still so isn't know, a lot. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what, what characters people want flashbacks for. Mm-hmm. That's that's like people say, "Hey, are we ever going to see flashbacks? Who would you want a flashback of?" Yeah. I mean, that's kind of interesting. I mean, I you think, know, I think from an action standpoint, some people want to see, uh, you know, stuff like when they saw the fall of Atlanta with the, you know. Just the yeah, zombie apocalypse that. in the mm-hmm. beginning, and I think that's more just people wanting to see the world crumble. Mm-hmm. Um, much more like right, a big event but, movie, but, in but, a right? Yeah. But, Which is also but, sort of not what the show but th- is. That is an yeah, expectation coming from right. you know other um, other movies, other outbreak mm-hmm. movies. You know, um, let's not forget this is based on Robert Kirkman's book. Robert does not use flashbacks he's, he's in his fiercely he, anti. Yeah. He's also fla- yeah. uh, anti flashback, yeah. right? So he does not use that. He does not explain the outbreak. He does not show, you know, Rick wakes up and the world's gone to shit. So he he you know, this is an adaptation of that work. Those are Robert's rules. That's stuff that works for us. Yeah. So, you know, if people say oh what about this what about that then you're getting kind of into non-walking dead territory that's just not the the you know what that creator wanted yeah that's a good point yeah um you mentioned you know a list of books or movies or things to look at for season two did you guys have that for i mean season, for season three. three did you have that for season two also was there no. material that you looked at <laughs> no. No, we, we just read the books yeah. we the read books. robert's oh, really? robert's work yeah right interesting um can you give us anything for uh, season three? A little something we can look forward to. When does you it can look forward to sixteen episodes? <laughs> of awesomeness! To it's going to be pretty cool. I think it'll uh, be cool. Is it, are, are those extra episodes overwhelming to you guys, or is it a uh, an exciting? Yeah, you know, it's 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 uh, well, yeah, yeah. We, we I will say that you know whatever people thought about the first half of mm-hmm. season two. Whether or not some of that material played as filler or not, I don't think any of the back half of season two mm-hmm. struck people as filler. There's no filler in this. I mean, this is people are going to have to, you know, from the first frame, people are going to have to pay attention. They got to keep up. Uh, I bet you, I, I, I'm going to make a prediction. Now people are going to say <laughs> the, the show's moving too fast. That, people are going to say now they've gone too far. The show's oh, moving too fast. We can't keep up. This is ridiculous. I, be, I bet you we start getting that. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm going to, would you agree with that? I, I kind of agree with that. It's, it's jam packed. It's, it's I packed. love it. Yeah. It's, it's jam packed. We're, we're but, trying to figure out how to make it. But I think it. Yeah. like if there are people who like love the pacing of other AMC shows, they're just going to be <laughs> yeah, sweating 10 minutes yeah. in. They're so, just it's going to be like, with this is too much, too with much. The, with some of the scripts, it's like, 
uh, when you go on a big trip, but you're determined to take one suitcase, <laughs> and you're you're like afraid to touch it or it's going to explode. Right. Yeah, I mean, like that's that. yeah. Wow, that's intense. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you very quickly uh, before we wrap up um, the introduction of Michonne in that uh, mm-hmm. last five minutes of the finale. Uh, how long had that been planned? Was it ever shifted around? Uh, that was planned before, as, uh, you know, as, as soon as I yeah. became showrunner. Yeah. That was something. Oh, really? that, yeah, I was like, "This is what we're doing," and <laughs> and and you know, Robert was like, "Great!" He wanted to get that character in. We had no plans before that. Mm-hmm. Um, and was it just a character that spoke? There were to no you? plans for the prison, you know. Oh, really? You know, so that was something that that uh, you know we felt when we you know came together. Um, you know, we wanted to start pushing into that. You know, we wanted to tee it up. But the the Michonne character, uh, I love the Michonne character. You know, I've, I've we've hired uh, Denai to um, play that character, and uh, she's great. She's actually a playwright who just uh, oh, has right. something playing at, at called The Convert in Culver City right now. Oh. It's 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 pretty impressive play, and which, which, which makes it a little. Uh, <laughs> a little scary to write for her. Yeah. You know, you're writing for this accomplished playwright now. Yeah. Like, yeah. This is Philistine. <laughs> so, so, um, um, you know, we've we've done a lot of work on that character, and mm-hmm. and I, I like writing. I, I like I I feel we get that character. We're excited about her. You know, she's 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 kind of a cool new element and and going to be very surprising and she just can you know it's it's like you want that's that's a character you want to write for so it's uh, very yeah, very was, exciting she's cool being a fan of the comics and i'm just a big comic book guy mm-hmm. beyond that writing for michelle was was pretty exciting that must have been so cool sure yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. and i can only imagine it's going to add you know this new element to the group it's that same you know hitting hitting the pool balls yeah, uh, that is, yeah. I mean, that, that's the whole thing, in, in a very way. surprising really cool. way. I don't yeah. think people people might have certain expectations about that character, but it's it's going to be very, very different and surprising. So, um, we'll probably be back next year talking about what went right and what went wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, that all flashback episodes. Yeah. <laughs> don't look forward to that. Right? She's working in a bowling alley. <laughs> yeah. What was that? Uh, well, thanks. I mean, everyone's excited. I'm excited. Uh, cool. You guys are doing well, thank great you. work. Thanks so much for doing this. Thank, thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Now leaving Nerdist.com.